Well, good morning. How are we? How many shoveled a lot this week? I think it was the first time since I've been here I did not want to be here. Like truly, like no joking aside. I, I started to get bitter as I was bitterly cold. And um, my back was really annoyed with me. So anybody else still shovel these days? Yeah, yeah it stinks. <laughs> I just well, welcome. Um, this morning, we're going to get right into it. We are in chapter 12 of Romans. And again, just to remind you, those of you that um, are guests visiting us today or you've been here a few times, uh, we are in this series of Romans. We've been in this series for a few years now. And we are not necessarily going through each and every word. What we're doing is going through the tensions that it provokes. Uh, we all feel tensions in our lives that uh, the culture around us or just the reality around us provokes and our faith. And those things come in conflict. And sometimes we don't know what to do as Christians. We don't know what to do with some of the things that come our way. And sometimes we can compromise and go one way or the other when in fact we need to be stopping for a moment and saying, Jesus, what do you want to say in this? Because Jesus always does something that is off our radar. How many have found that in your life? He does so his solution to some of your problems is not what you have quantified in your mind. <laughs> because he uses his logic, which automatically is greater than your logic. Is that pretty logical? <laughs> you get it? And so how do we be faithful to him as the church? In a culture that really pushes back at what he's all about. Because you have instant access to everything unhealthy. That is contrary to how God wants us to live. Is that not true? I mean, when we tie, and I don't mean this in a legalistic way. I mean this in a relational way. We have replaced relationship oftentimes with Jesus with relationship with other things. Or things that we think are value. And it could be philosophies, it could be screens, it could be jobs, it could be a lot of different things. But remember, Romans in verse 1, in chapter 1, establishes that Paul says, I, a slave to Christ, which means the word slave means to choose to have no choice, which means we are now what? His. You are not your own. Don't we hear that in Scripture? You are not your own, you are what? Bought at a price. You're His. And oftentimes, and I do this all the time, we substitute relationship for him for something else. How do you hold that tension? How do we stay with Jesus in the process? And his grace is so wonderful because it allows us space to fail, but to fail forward and to learn. And I'm not talking about intentionally sinning to test that grace. I'm talking about when we do, his grace is sufficient. Do you find that to be true? Now, we don't have enough grace for ourselves, which is why he has grace for us. <laughs> so, in, in chapter 12, how many are familiar with chapter 12 of Romans? How many have seen a lot of excerpts from it on bumper stickers and all kinds of stuff, right? It's, it's filled with wonderful things. It's filled with a goldmine of instructions and of encouragements. But it was meant to be understood in a broader context that Paul is writing in Romans. And so today we're going to continue that. We've gone through the first three verses. And I'm going to, we're going to pick up at verses 4 and go through 6. And we'll be spending several weeks in these few verses. And I'm going to add a few more next week. 
where we're going to be talking about the church as one body. We're going to be talking about uh, the gifts. Now, when I say that, we are not going to emphasize, overemphasize every specific gift. That's not what Romans is after. That's what Paul's after. What Paul's after is whatever we are, God has gifted us in, our posture and how we exercise those things faithfully for his glory and not our own. Because they're tools, they're gifts, they're important, but they're not more important than Jesus himself. They're not more important than that relationship. And so um, this morning we'll talk a little bit about how Paul establishes that. Now I'm going to read from uh, the first few verses going through verse 6. And just want to reiterate a couple of things. So if you have your Bibles, if you could please open them to chapter 12 in Romans. And if you have them on your, your phone or your, your screens, that's fine too. I'll try not to, to put meaning into that. For some reason, I always think someone's texting while I'm talking. <laughs> Yet I just invited everyone to look at their Bibles on their phones. <laughs> so, Well, starting in verse 1, therefore, and that therefore, remember, connects to, uh, is a connecting word to the uh, previous 11 chapters. Paul says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual, that's a guy, that means God logic, spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, perfect will. For by grace, the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. And this is where we're going to pick up today. Just as each of you, each of us, has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And we have different gifts according to the grace given us. And we'll talk more about that next week. But here Paul establishes in the first three verses a posture that we have, how God sees us and how we need to see ourselves or not see ourselves. Sometimes when we talk about gifts and sometimes when we talk about body life and being part of the body and the different members, we can get lost in the gifts we're given rather than one who's given those gifts. And we can find our value and our identity in the gifts that we function. That is unhealthy. I'm going to say that straight up. That is unhealthy. And we've all done that. I have done that. I have found my value in things that I can do that were given to me that aren't really mine to begin with. And I couldn't generate all that. Only God can generate that and give those kind of gifts. And so Paul uses, as Jesus does, he uses every day things in our lives to give simplistic examples of God's simplicity of truth. Not easy, but simple. Okay. So he uses the body. We all have bodies. And what happens when your body parts are not working together? It's a whole lot of ugly, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, when, it, when it's meant to function a certain way and you're supposed to be able to walk like this straight, and your body parts are wanting to do different things, and you look more like this, it's not pretty. It's not how we're meant to function. It doesn't look good. It doesn't feel good. 
And it's just a whole lot of ugly, right? It's just bad. Now, the same goes for the body of Christ. Paul is saying if we don't have a healthy understanding of who he is and how he sees us, and we have an unhealthy understanding of how we see us, then we cannot operate under the headship of Christ, who's the head of the body, in a way that will glorify him. It just won't happen. Now, we just ended um, football season. Do we have any football fans? Some hate it. Okay. I love it. And I love it for a variety of reasons. But the big one is that no one person can take the credit for a victory. Not one person can. Now, now we will lift up specific individuals over other individuals. But it is such a team sport that each piece has to play its role. It is not the defining moment of their value and significance, but it is they're part of the team. And as the team, part of that team, here's their role in that team. Now, do we have any Patriot fans in here? We have one? Okay, two. I won't, I won't shame anybody today. We'll leave that for next week. No. What, the reason why a lot of people hate the Patriots is because what? They're good. They're just good, and it's annoying because they just always win. And I'm a Charger fan, and they love breaking our hearts all the time when we played them, and it's just embarrassing. And you get mad because they're good, and what? You're not as good. But here's the brilliance. They have teams that are just made of average Joes. Now, you've got Tom Brady, but if you want to see really what he's like athletically, go watch his 40-yard dash when he was just coming into the league. It's awful. (laughs) And you're going, no way this guy will be the greatest ever. But here's the deal. When you watch them play, everyone knows their role. And they believe in what the coach is telling them, who's one of the most brilliant minds of football you've ever seen. You wonder if he has any time for relationships. I don't know if it's a good thing or a sad thing, but he's brilliant. And he is a general on the field that executes it beautifully. But here's the deal. We may, we may lift up a couple of people on that roster, but every single person on that roster does their job. They weren't supposed to win anything this year because they, they were a shadow of themselves. And what did they do? They destroyed everybody. They made them look foolish because, one, they were underestimated. But here's the deal. Every single person knew the part they played, and it didn't matter who they honored because they knew that they were part of it. Here's the deal. We, as the body of Christ, have a part to play, but not for the sake of playing a part. It's an expression of the one we believe in and love. It is not so that we can have value and significance because of what we do or the gifting, but as a is a response. We use those gifts as a response for the love he has for us and the love we have for him. And not one is greater than the other in the sense that all those gifts are meant to express the very love of God. They're meant to draw people into their pre- his presence. That's what they're meant for. Sometimes we think, we think it's all about battle. Well, are there spiritual battles? Absolutely. But the whole point is that it's a battle of hearts. Relationship. And the body of Christ, we belong to one another because we belong to him. If you look at the history of the church, it's not a great history in the sense we don't look like the most unified body of people. If we're being honest, I am not saying there aren't pockets of it. I am not saying there aren't 
places in the body of Christ that are not faithful. I'm not saying that. But when you look at the entire piece of work, we look more divided than united in Christ Jesus. And that's not to shame. That's just to say, this is what it's been. And we are great in the church bickering amongst ourselves. We're great at it. Everyone has a history. Everyone has an experience. And when you bring those all in one room, it can get a little dicey, which is why you need someone that has a voice of clarity that is absolute truth, which is why Jesus is the only way and he's the only truth and he is the life. Because if it's not his voice that we are listening to and following, we are going to be scattered and divided. And this passage, Paul is saying only Jesus brings unity. The best we can do is uniformity. We can maybe look like something. But he is the only one that can bring unity because unity is based off the truth of direction, of a will, his will. Which is why here we always ask this question first. Lord, what do you want to say? Because when I get involved in that, it looks bad. Because I can have a plan for everyone in here. Believe me, I can have a plan for your life. (laughs) But it'll look pretty bad. You don't want to hear what I have to say. You want to hear what he has to say. Do we not? And he aligns the body as he wills. But we have to remember that the person to your left and the person to your life, your left and your right, is loved just as much as you are loved. And how we treat one another is very important. How we walk with each other is very important. Because we want to do so in concert with the direction of Jesus. We want to love as he loves. I I know that my experience, all of our experiences with church, my experience has been a little bit of both. You experience great love, great pockets of God's love. And then you experience that side don't want to spend a lot of time in where your ideas are wrong and theirs are right and unsolicited advice and unsolicited correction and, and then a misuse of scripture to justify their unsolicited advice. Or, and I've done that too. We've all done those kind of things and that can be a nasty thing. And those things we think are under the banner of searching for truth, but we've already found the truth, folks. Have we not? We already have. So what are we fighting about? What are we bickering about? I get it. There are things that we disagree on. There are things that are going to be challenging. But here, if we don't engage the conflict with Jesus, it will not resolve. And will continue to split and splinter in different ways when we are meant to be the very glory of God. He deserves all the glory and all the praise. And it's not just an individual sport. It's a team sport. It is a team life. It starts with the individuals, yes. But then how we allow Jesus to infiltrate relationships within the church body will show how we go outside these walls and infiltrate the lives of others. We have to stop trying to to gain unity and start letting Jesus bring unity. There's a difference I can go after unity all I want, but I don't have a picture of it. I don't know what it's like. Only he can align the body to function the way it is, which is why scripture tells us he's the what? The head. He's the head. And he gives us these gifts that we'll talk about more next week, and these gifts are to edify the body, his body, to bring people in 
to his embrace. If you want a simplistic visual of what everyone's call is, it's to be loved and to love others. That's what, is that not what Scripture says the greatest commandment is? Love God with all you got. Love others with all you got. Basically. And we can only love because what? He first loved us. That's our invitation for life. Now, he gives us gifts. He blesses us with gifts that are from him. Tools in order, in order to exercise and to reveal that truth. No more, no less. He wants people, here's the visual, to have family dinner with them. How many have families? And when, if you can get them all around the table, you're like, victory. Anybody? <laughs> I mean, whoa. Now, I'm a young parent. I've got three kids, and they're young. But man, when they're all around the table, I'm appreciating that now. Jesus wants you with him always. He wants you on the couch with him. You know, just sitting there, enjoying one another. What do you think heaven is? It's not more work to do. It's to be in his presence always. And we can do that here. We can be in his presence with one another and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty as his body, as his church. And people will know the love of God because of him within us. And that's what, that's what Paul is saying. Don't look at yourself more than you ought to. Don't think of yourself more than you ought to. And don't think of yourself less than how God sees you. Because if you start doing that, you do not have a healthy perspective of Jesus and how he sees you. And you cannot operate as his body and him as the head the way he wants. Because here's the deal. Gifts come and go. Sorry. I've seen gifted people that I love dearly who cannot do what they once were able to do. What does that mean? What's their value? What's their significance? What happens when I can't preach anymore? What happens when I can't do the things I'm used to doing because of the natural giftings? What do I do? Who am I? Here's the deal. I'm a son always, and that is my value. My kids are mine always. Always, no matter what they do, what they can do or can't do, they are always mine. I will always love them. That's my value and significance, that I am loved by him. And we can water that down all we want, but the potency of it is I am not what I can do. I am who he has made me, and that's his. That's my value. So gifts, they're great, but if we worship the gifts and not the gift giver, who cares? Who cares? So as we move forward and we talk about the gifts, we are not going to glorify the gifts. We're going to glorify the gift giver because they're meant to glorify him. And we are meant to be the distributors of his presence through his Holy Spirit within us. And we're supposed to understand it in, in, a, in a sense of a tangible sense, even as children. It's that simple. Now, I asked my daughter, I'm asking now, I felt convicted after the last time I shared a story about her. I... I thought I'd give her to seven before I said she had to give me her permission, but I asked her today. And I asked her like 10 times because sometimes I think she's got ADD and she's just, and I don't know if she heard me. So I had to slow her down. Eye contact, eye contact, eye contact, eye contact. Are you hearing me? Yes, yes. Can I share this? Yes. So I'm good. That's good. But we were talking about this one morning. I woke up early and she is up when the sun is up, 
and she comes down, and I always go, do you you ever hope for a private moment in the morning, okay? And mine always gets sabotaged, and at least that's how it feels at first, and then I realize God is taking me through his version of seminary, which is, it's just tremendous. And so Gracie comes down, and uh, I, I don't remember what statement I made, but I made a statement. She goes, oh, I know that. Jesus told me. And I said, really? Well, he didn't tell me till now. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, he already told me that. I said, you know what? I said, you got a neat gift. She goes, what do you, what do you mean? And I said, well, you know, I was talking about family. You know, there's family blessings and all this, and we can get in that later, but... One of, the, one of the gifts that I, I've seen my family kind of inherit from one another and down the generations is the gift of discernment, being able to see where God is and, and where he's not, all this stuff. And Gracie has that to a freaky degree. And so I'm sitting there, I'm saying, well, it's a present. She goes, oh, ooh, you tell a six-year-old about a present. And they start going, oh, okay, well, I want more presents. And <laughs> so she says, you're telling me Jesus gave me his power? And I, <laughs> do I get all his powers? Can I walk on water? And I said, in theory, <laughs> yeah. And so we start talking about it. I said, do you know why? You know why he's given me a present and, and given you a present through, you know, just trying to make it as simple as I can. He goes, she goes, why? And I said, well, it's, it's so people will love him. It's not uh, so that we can have Jesus' powers and go, woo, but it's to love him. She goes, okay. And then she has, then Shanna told me uh, either that afternoon or the next day, she goes, I had a weird conversation with Gracie. And I was telling her about a, a movie. And she goes, and she said, I didn't like this movie. This is what Shanna's saying to Gracie. Gracie goes, I know that. She goes, well, how do you know that? Well, Jesus told me I have a present from daddy from Jesus. And <laughs> I just know stuff. <laughs> I kind of know stuff other people don't know. <laughs> you know. And it was really cute. But she began to understand that there is something she can't control in the sense she couldn't give herself that God has given her. And it was for the purpose uh, of people understanding the love of God. I mean, we are meant to begin to understand that at a young age, which is why it's simple. So we think the Christian life is complicated. No, it's hard. Hard and complicated are not the same thing. And simple and easy aren't the same thing. I can understand, okay, I need to get from point A to point B. That's pretty simple where I need to go. But getting there may not be that easy. How to get there? Okay, simple. I need to go through this to get there. But ugh, not easy. So God doesn't complicate it. We complicate it. He wants to keep it simple so you understand this, this phrase even more clearly. Okay? I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Are we clear? <laughs> you know, it's, I, I don't know how we convolute that. Is Jesus really the way? Well, he says he's the way. He's shown he's the way. He's transformed your life. How is he, how are we still talking about this? <laughs> and he wants his church to function as if that's the reality, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Well, how do we know what he's saying? Well, we won't know anything that he's saying if we don't say, Lord, what are you saying? As a parent, I, I, I admire, I mean, I am so thankful for the patience of God. I, I, I am. I don't know how he does it with trillions of people. <laughs> because if I hear one more question over and over again I, from multiple sources, 
in my house. I'm going to go nuts. You know, Daddy, when are we going to do this? Daddy, when are we going to do that? Daddy, when are we going to do this? Daddy, I don't know. I don't care. Go to your room. Why? I just asked the question. That's why. <laughs> just go. <laughs> you don't know what to do. It's just so, uh. But here's the thing. They ask. Why? Because they don't know unless they ask. And if we as his church don't know what to do, we don't know maybe how to interpret this, what he's saying here, how do I do? Ask. Which means what? We got to learn to listen. And that's hard. And it takes practice. But we got to do that individually so we can learn to do that corporately so that we can move as he moves us. And then people will see the love of God in a way that they haven't before through his church. And it doesn't matter. Not one gift is less significant than the other. I remember comparing myself to other pastors and I made a huge mistake. I did it in front of my grandmother. And (laughs) the wrong thing to do. (laughs) And she's a pastor's wife. She's been in ministry. She's in her 90s forever. And um, she said to me, she goes, stop that. <laughs> I said, what? I'm just, I'm just saying they're better. They're like really good. She goes, stop that. I said, I did what I do. <laughs> she goes, that's a sin. Now, before, <laughs> before we get into the misunderstand what I'm saying here, she was using it in the sense of missing the mark. That's really what it means, missing the mark. She goes, comparing yourself to this, knowing that God has given you this. She's, you're missing it. That's what she was trying to tell me, I think, using language that felt more shaming. But she, <laughs> she was trying to say, look, this is what God has given you. And this is what Paul is saying. Step into it. Step into it. If it's giving, give generously. With all your might, with all your heart. If it's being encouraged, be an encourager. But don't be something that you're not or compare, I want this, I want that, because those pieces are important. And if they're not there, you don't have a healthy body. If Tom Brady doesn't have his linemen doing their job, he doesn't throw the ball. It is not the sexiest job on a football team, but it's the most essential because nothing happens if you don't have people there. Nothing. You don't have a game. If we don't have encouragers, if we don't have givers, if we, if we don't have welcomers, if we don't have those kind of people that look, they're not on the stage, but they're the ones that make a different kind of impact that's needed. So we can't compare. We have to embrace and encourage one another in what God has given us. Because remember, it's for his glory to bring people in into the embrace of Jesus. That's what it is. That's why we have them. One of my pet peeves even for myself, and I got to let go of some of this, but is when people go, I, I'm a prophet. Or they'll say, I'm an apostle, or I'm a this. Well, that might be true. But for some reason, that, that bothers me because I know how I can easily identify with what I do. That when I hear other people doing I'm going, look at what we're reinforcing in one another. I am his, and I belong to him. Before anything else, my value, my significance isn't in my gifting or what I do. It's the fact that he calls me son. 
and how easily we can get lost in the other things and call it for Jesus. Fine. Are they good things? Are the gifts good things? Yes. And I believe in the prophetic. I believe in these things. They're great things, but not greater and more important than the simplicity of the love of God and immersing yourself in that. If I have all the gifts and can do everything and I don't have him, I have nothing. I have nothing. Zilch. But if I have him, that brings something different when I start exercising those gifts because it's fueled by the love of God, not anything I can do, not anything he's given me other than himself. It pains me, and I've heard this question. It pains me when leaders, church leaders, say, and this is true, and I'm not trying to say anything arrogant or, you know, but I have been said, you talk about Jesus and being with Jesus way too much. I go, thank you. That's a compliment. Because what more is there? (laughs) What are we going to talk about? I mean, we can discuss things he's doing, but it's what he's doing. I mean, what, what more is there? Church, we have to be obsessed with him. Obsessed. Like throw you in jail, obsessed. And what I mean by that is he's got, I've said it before, this magnificent obsession. Where every morning and every day, this is, this is not where I am, it's where I want to be, but I'm saying, Lord, I want you and only you. Because I will not, without you, be able to recognize the life around me and what you're doing and, and how you are pouring yourself into us and out of us. I, the Lord gave me this saying. He said, um, if it's not about him, nothing, nothing matters. Nothing matters the way it should without him. Because it's like, oh, great. I, I can love my family on my strength, but no, I love it through his strength. Whoa, different level. When I start loving and pouring in and out through him, it changes the atmosphere. It, it does. And so we have to be focused on him as individuals and as the body. Paul's trying to say that. He's made a pretty convincing argument in 11 chapters. And he's saying the Holy Spirit will do that, but we got to allow him to do that. We have to allow him to transform our minds. Because he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I Meaning there's a partnership that's happening there. Jesus does the work, but we have to allow him to do the work in our lives. Because if I go, I don't want to be transformed, he's not going to force himself on me. I think he grieves that. But we have to partner with him individually and as a body. Because this is, this is so what we're trying to do today is establish a healthy baseline of what it means to be a body because we belong to one another because we belong to him. That's what it says. You belong, your members. And that word in Greek is actually like you're a limb <laughs> of, a, of a grander body. And the altogether that we see in, in the Greek is a, a mutual belonging, a reciprocal belonging to one another. So we have to continue to love each other in the arms of Jesus so we can do that 
as we are in our everyday mission field. And praise God, he does give us gifts to do that, but it's fueled by his love and who he is. Are you with me here? All right. Well, let's pray. And as we do that, Lord, what do you want to say to us? And if I've said anything that's not of you, Lord, we ask that you remove it from our hearts in Jesus' name. Um, Lord, I pray that uh, we would receive the meaning of today that you want us to have. pray that you would continue to be and become that healthy, magnificent obsession that is just extreme. Your love for us is beyond the word extreme. So to love you back in such a way and to pursue you in such a way is not an unfair ask. And so I pray in Jesus' name that you would protect this church family. It would continue to be a safe place because you're here and engaging us. That would be a safe place to learn and grow um, as individuals, but as a family. And that we would continue to grow um, as a church beyond this individual church family, but as your church. You continue to put us in the right place at the right time with the right word and, and the right opportunity to model who you are. I thank you that um, you want to be with us all the time. I don't even want to be with myself all the time. <laughs> and sometimes I will go, why do you want to be with me? But you do. And I thank you because it breaks the pattern and the cycles of my life that are unhealthy. thank you for your son who is the way and he is the truth and he is the life and it's as simple as that so I pray you protect us you bless us with your continue to bless us with your grace and your favor and we would continue to go where you go not just because you tell us to but because we want to be where you are always So we thank you, Lord. May we worship you in spirit and truth as we continue um, to praise your name through music this morning in song and word. And I ask that we would have the courage to allow you to do whatever you want to do in us and through us this morning and express our gratitude and our thanksgiving for your goodness and who you are. It's all about you. And we thank you. And we praise you in Jesus' name.
Oh uh-huh.